Hi, y'all. I am so incredibly excited to introduce this week's guest, but this is also going to be a two-part episode. So I'm incredibly excited to introduce my friend Allie to you, but I'm also going to let this episode be two parts for a very good reason. Without further ado, I would love to introduce you to the first half. Allie and I are going to cover a couple sort of uncomfortable topics, but we're going to get to know Allie a little bit. Um, And we're going to talk about getting comfortable with sex. And I cannot wait for next week where we're going to start talking a little bit about getting comfortable with kinks and the kink community and how Allie is involved there. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Allie Bravo. Welcome to Some Place for Everybody, where we talk about belonging and being a human in our bodies, in living in and learning to love our bodies. I'm your host, Carly Someplace. This podcast is brought to you by Someplace Images, Boudoir for Everybody. You can see the full show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Now, let's change some self-perspectives. Hi, y'all. It's Carly Someplace, and I'm so incredibly excited to introduce you to my dear, sweet friend, Allie. Allie is the owner of her new company, which I love, which is called Raptrix, and Allie makes bondage gear. So handcuffs, just so many different amazing things, many of which I already own for my own studio and I get to use with my clients, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And Allie and I went to high school together, so we've known each other for a hot minute. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We also, I, here's here's my favorite fun fact before I let you like <laughs> talk about yourself. Um, yes. I'm also very commonly, like people call me Allie. Like people confuse <laughs> me and you on a regular basis. Like oh on a regular God. basis. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Which just makes me laugh because like, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. we look alike a little mm-hmm. bit. Like fabulous brows. At I mean, in high school, long brown hair. Like... Yep. Yep. <laughs> Really? But I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm not Allie, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll I take like it. it. It's a two way compliment back, you know, like, fuck right. <laughs> I'm like, I love her, but that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. So, Allie, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Um, and then I'm super excited to talk about Raptrix. I'm super excited to talk about bondage and sex and just like some quote unquote taboo topics that I don't think yeah. should be taboo. And I know you don't think they should be either. <laughs> Absolutely not. Just a few of my favorite things. Um, and you know, what's relevant is one of my nicknames is Professor Pervert. So I not only <laughs> love talking about sex, but I love um, doing it in an educational way. So, so I yeah, love that. As you said, um, I'm an artist. I make leather bondage gear, which is a fun kind of meandering way that I got into that. I'm also on the leadership team of an organization called For Love. And at For Love, we are aiming to build equitable, trauma-informed, and privilege-aware spaces for sexual liberation. Um, and that looks love a couple different ways. So we can dive more into that too. But yeah. I'm so excited to be here. I, I love that my path has brought me to a place where I'm able to share, yeah, the kind of things I shamed about myself for a really long time and to be able right. to celebrate that, them. Yeah. That's a huge, just, just that sentence, sentence is like a huge space of growth. And I think that when I see, I don't even want to say like powerful women, but like powerful mm. people, most prominently powerful women, when I see them, it's that they've stepped into 
talking about things that they were told were shameful or something about themselves that they were told was shameful for a really long time. And they're like, but I'm not ashamed of it. So like what? And I was told that I should be. So I did for a really long time. And now I'm not. And I think that that's like such a powerful step to overcome in ourselves. And like, it's, it's definitely like a common denominator between people who are powerful in in so many ways is that they've overcome some sense of shame um, about something that they've been told they needed to be ashamed of so it's it's so amazing (laughs) totally and like you know a a teacher of mine puts it this way that like our shadow is where our greatest gifts lie right like our greatest points of struggle are if we can alchemize those like are really the places in which we can not only like come into a a new place of power within ourselves but the permission that we give to others by being like vocal and outspoken about these pain points like is is magical and you know I'm sure you know my favorite example is like my relationship with my body has been Mm -hmm. the greatest source of pain in my entire life like has been the the biggest place and I've now alchemized it into one of my, my, the biggest, the biggest gifts that I give to the world, right. Is radical right. self-acceptance. And so I'm grateful for that struggle because I really had to like fight for it, you know, fight, right. fight for the love, fight for the love. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I mean, I totally agree. Same, <laughs> like literally same. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So let's start with, tell me a little bit more about for love, because I'm curious mm. about that. And I want to hear what these spaces look like. And then I want to hear, and then, and then I want to dive into obviously Raptrix and, you know, different things like that. There's we'll get into it in a second, but there's a lot of like discussion in, in my world of the boudoir world of, Mm. um, people shaming photographers for using bondage gear and, and Mm. not creating safe experiences for their clients and, and different things like this using bondage just as props. And, and I'm really curious to like, hear like have a conversation with you about that specifically so being as you are the person who has made the bondage gear that is in my studio um okay cool so to rewind to your first question so for love I came into for love um in the pandemic and for love started the way the way that I came into it was um zoom sex parties (laughs) cool was yeah and my my partner and I at the time both got an invite to this zoom sex party and we're like oh well I don't know let's check it out and it was so beautiful. We had a blast and I discovered that, um, having sex on camera is a fetish I never knew I had, but it definitely mm-hmm. have it just exhibitionism. And just, it, it was just this really safe container that was created like to explore, to play, to celebrate pleasure. And so we started going together and just like building this amazing community, like during this profound time of disconnection, like Right. getting to connect with people in this really cool way and finding this new like thing in myself. And, um, and then there was a time he couldn't come with me. And so I got invited to kind of MC the, the main kind of playroom, which looks like, you know, we're, we're very like consent driven. And yep. so there's a, in a, in a, in an online setting, there's like a green, yellow, red system that basically denotes the amount of interaction that you're consenting to. So like red okay. is kind of, they're there to voyeur, you know, like don't, don't DM a red, don't feature a red, yeah. yellow, yeah. you ask consent. Hey, may I flirt with you? Can I send you a DM? And then green is like consenting to like, they're, you're responsible for your no. So someone can be like, Hey, you look really hot tonight. 
and like also the um the the moderator can like like can can feature their their screen right um okay. or green and so I was asked to come in and kind of be that puppet master and be also in my own pleasure and getting to bless people up you know that probably don't get celebrated for their pleasure a lot and right. Yeah, it was such an incredible, like, I just felt it was a deeply spiritual experience for me, honestly, of just like being an advocate for everyone's worthiness to feel at home in their bodies, everyone's worthiness to feel pleasure, to fucking feel themselves. Yeah. And that that was like my entrance into the leadership team of For Love. And then and then we got a little extra. Um, <laughs> you? No. Me? You? And we're like, no. okay, there was, and at the time there was, there was other organizations like throwing sexy online parties and we're like, let's get theatrical with it. <laughs> um, and so we started coming up with these ridiculous storylines and ridiculous like activities, like personifying the evil Dr. Shame um, and Dr. Shame, like, you know, is defeated by orgasms and connection and vulnerability and had all of these like elaborate, you had to come up, you got like paired with other people in a breakout room and had to come up with a shared sexual interest and then design a sex toy using random objects from your home and come back and present them Shark Tank style to our panel of judges, which included like uh, Princess Poseidon, who ruled the seven seas with the with the powers of her pussy. Um, just, love, just, I love and this. This was how you got into the sexy party. Um, <laughs> yeah, just absurd, absurd. Um, so that was that was like that was during the pandemic, and then kind of the the desire, and also just we were putting in so much effort for no money. Um, right. they kind of had, had waned a little bit. And so let's see last, what, what, what year is it in March? Um, we pulled off our first, we, you know, we've been passionate about sex education and hadn't really had a like avenue or outlet to do that. And so we had a two day erotic workshop series called love skills. Mm -hmm. And we had 14 different hosts across four different tracks. So we had kink, we had like deepening relationships, like how to ethically open up your relationship, attachment right. styles. And we had like um, deconstructing, uh, like how to fuck up better, how to like, you know, examine our like our binary language and sexually charged spaces, like just like incredible. I led a workshop on um, destigmatizing STI conversations. Mm -hmm. And so it was just such a special experience to bring all these voices together. And that's where like the equitability and like the trauma informed and like all of that, like just being cornerstones for us where we split right. the proceeds. There's a lot of like online, you know, um, conferences and stuff where like the facilitators are not getting paid. It's just for exposure. Right. And we yeah. split our proceeds equally between um, all of the facilitators and we were able to pay everyone pretty well for, for like an hour and 15 minute conversation. And that, that felt so good. And yeah. just our, just, looking at the makeup of our, of our panels, like it was rad. We had so many different voices represented and that's, that's really important to us. So that was really beautiful. And then we're stepping into in-person events and we're going to do, yeah, um, immersive erotic experiences in person, which is very, very exciting. Um, so it is exciting. Yeah. So that's, you know, just the umbrella of for love is, yeah, the just that we're committed to sexual liberation and that can take a lot of different forms and yeah. we're, we're making some magic and it feels really good. <laughs> I honestly love that so much. <laughs> I, I, and I think, I really think 
everything you just said is probably going to blow somebody's mind. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, not only like some, somebody's probably going to be like, I didn't know this existed and I need to be a part of this. And I think that that's like my favorite thing is that like, of like, I mean, even just like having a podcast and having a platform of being able to be like, okay, let's talk about something that like most people think are taboo, like, or whatever. And let's talk about it deeply. And I, oh my gosh, I love that. So let's transition into talking about you as an artist and how creating bondage gear has kind of opened you up both in that Mm. art space and then being able to obviously do things like lean into things like for love that obviously are right in the same alley in so many ways (laughs) yes you know all like all my things overlap in these really cool ways so Raptrick started about two years ago. I had um, a king. I had met someone. We had a pretty fiery connection. We planned a date, and we both were kind of like, like, let's explore some kinky stuff. And I one day was like, I was like, I think, I think I had a very cheap pair of handcuffs or something, and it just wasn't luxurious at all. And I was, I was in. So I'm a leather worker. Um, I've worked for a handbag designer for the past six years. She's taught me everything she knows about leather, and it's really powerful. So I was in the leather studio and I was like looking at this like big bin of scraps and realizing like, wait, I have all the tools at my disposal to make my own handcuffs. And so I made (laughs) my first pair of handcuffs and my first collar. Um, and you know, the date didn't, didn't work out that well. He turned out to, it turned out to be kind of a trauma bond and, and we weren't right for each other. And so, uh, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Um, but the process of creation, like I just, I can point there's, there's some really pivotal moments in my life where I get into this flow state of creativity that have been like really impactful for me. The, there was one, for example, that, that made me realize I should go to fashion school. And so I got that same, just like this, just total flow state, like of creation of like, okay, like go this way. And so that had happened while I made the handcuffs and I was like, uh, well, we have overflowing scraps. We, at that point we had like garbage bags full of leather scrap in the garage that we, right. you know, we'd make small stuff with it, but just couldn't keep up with the the volume of it. And so, right. yeah, so I, that's, that's where Raptrix was born, you know, and I, I had to work through a ton of imposter syndrome on both sides of the spectrum of like being way too kinky for my community or, you know, my teachers mm-hmm. that I'm friends with on Facebook or, okay. you know, like uh, <laughs> who, who I'm being perceived by. And then also on the other side of that, of like, I'm not nearly kinky enough. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kinky, but I also enjoy like, you know, some good missionary, um, (laughs) and so got to, got to work through that. And that's, you know, part of the advocacy that I speak of, of just like everyone's worthiness to explore these things with integrity and with mindfulness. You know, I do, I do think that, not being intentional and informed can be harmful in, you know, with certain yep. things like choking, for example, um, is Absolutely. a, is a, as Dan Savage says, is a varsity level kink that like a lot of <laughs> JV people are doing, but the bondage in particular, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with, with 
with, I love introducing people to, I mean, I love the seasoned kinksters that love my stuff. Cause it's all, it's a, like, I, I love the reaction and, and selling right. to those people. But my favorite is to introduce someone to kink that mm-hmm. never has before and seeing like the excitement and the like anticipation and, you know, of like, oh, this can be for me, you know, like this doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, walking into a sex store is scary. And so I like to oh, consider yeah. myself like a safe pervert, like <laughs> come to me, my pretties. Let me help you hide up. <laughs> I love that. I, I yeah. almost like, I almost want to say like, I could probably qualify myself in the same category. Like yeah. I even was with a client today and I was like, okay. And like, you know, we had our outfits laid out and all of this other stuff um, and shot with your handcuffs today and, Yay. and, and your spreader bar that you made for me. Oh. Um, and you know, just, and I was like, okay. And I was like, don't be afraid to take your clothes off. Cause I'm literally going to take photos of you naked within the next like 35 minutes because you uh-huh. requested nudes. Uh-huh. So like, which is fine with me, but like, it's just like, and I think, I mean, part of it is giving people that permission to, to let themselves, I don't want to say like, let their hair down in front of you kind of, but like, yeah, yeah it's, it really is. And it's, you know, that's, they're being like, okay, okay. And like, and at this point I'm like people if people are feeling shy or whatever I'm like I'm, I've literally seen it all like I've yeah. seen it all I promise you I've, I've shot hundreds of sessions at this point like I've seen it all <laughs> yeah no, you really can't surprise me like <laughs> you you really you really can't surprise me and I really have like like any type of body you have I've seen yeah. it like I yeah. shoot all genders and you know just get to like and I a lot of like guys get really self-conscious they're like what if mm. what if I get a boner I'm like oh my god I've seen one before it's okay oh like, like it right like especially <laughs> a lot of it happens like during couple sessions and they're like okay but like yeah. what and I'm like I would expect you I would expect, yeah. get hard for the fact that I'm literally putting your like girlfriend, wife, fiance, partner, wh- whomever this person is on top of you in a sexy pose and being like, yeah. okay, now hold it and just look at each other. Of course you're going to get erect. Oh I'm God. creating sexual tension for you. Of yes. course you are. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah, it's, it's great. But I, but I like that, I guess in my brain, I feel like bondage can kind of be like I don't want to say like a gateway kink but I feel like Mm. it's an easy like a very easy kink to open that gateway Uh, because I I have people be all, all the time I had a client come a couple months ago and and she was like um okay so this might sound weird but I have this pair of handcuffs I'm like oh girl I got you it's fine like (laughs) she was like I have the key for them like they were like real legit handcuffs she was like they've been sanitized I promise and I was like okay great (laughs) like actual police department handcuffs she's like I promise they've been sanitized and cleaned they're not nasty (laughs) it's good to know and I was like as long as you have the key and that's all good like but like I I was like I shoot with handcuffs on a very regular basis Mm -hmm. you know I and then my first question is okay so what are you comfortable with me doing with these? Right. Do you want them behind your back? That's an uncomfortable position. Do you want them in front of you? Do you want them just like for show? Do you want them like, do you want them to be used in some way? Do you want to be handcuffed to something? Like those are all questions. And so myself, like specifically the session that I shot today, like it was advertised as a bondage session. So she knew what she was getting herself into versus when somebody brings something, I always am asking those questions of like, how how comfortable with this 
are you? Is this something you and your partner do or is something that you've done before? Like, I don't want, I don't want to be the first person to put you in handcuffs and have you not like it. <laughs> right. For sure. Cause it can be triggering as hell. You it know? can be really triggering, really yeah. triggering. And I think yeah. that because I know a tiny, tiny bit of Shibari as well yes. and being able to, which is obviously just such a beautiful art form mm-hmm. and it's an, I don't want to say an easy thing for me to take photos of, but the yeah. ties that I'm doing are not restrictive. The ties that I'm right. doing aren't, they're pretty. They're not restrictive. They're not actually right. leaning into what Shibari is all about. Um, but, but I will have clients be like, I'm really curious about it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, what I'm giving you is like a Disney version of this because I'm going to give you pretty ties that don't hurt and, yeah. or don't restrict you in any way. And if you're wanting to lean into this, I highly recommend researching a lot more into it. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an interesting conversation. So like I was saying a little bit earlier, that's that I've seen happening in the boudoir community a lot. And I'm very curious for your take on it, that people are yeah. being like, okay, well, I want to offer like a bondage set and people are like are you in the community do you know anything about this do you have like anything to offer your clients after you take them out of bondage do you have a fuzzy blanket somewhere for them to sit so Mm -hmm. if they have any trauma around these things and other people are like oh I've just never even thought about it I just put handcuffs on them and I'm like that's not yeah yeah it's such a (laughs) right exactly and it it comes in like and I have to say, like, your handcuffs that you make are so incredibly soft mm. and comfortable mm. and, like, absolutely wonderful. Like, the leather is just, like, buttery and w- fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like handcuffs like yours are something that you can put on and it is comfortable. And it's not – it it, fe- it feels nice, literally. <laughs> um, yes. Versus, like, if you take a pair of, like, let's just say, like, actual police handcuffs – those are very uncomfortable. They bite into your skin. They do all of these different things. And so it's such a, it's interesting to see the dichotomy of that in the community where it's coming from a visual standpoint and not an actual anything else standpoint. Right. Totally. I have, yeah, I have feelings. I have thoughts. Um, Yes. And I think, I think that this can be said of so many different communities and avenues and intersections is the lack of trauma informed care. And that, the people doing it out of integrity because yes, I mean, like you are taking a picture, right. You're not, you're not like in an actual scene with someone tying them up, but like, like I said, it can be immensely triggering. And there's also, there's also inner, and and if someone's never done it before, they might not even know that they're going to get triggered. Um, you know, and, and for me, I'm just really thinking of like the intersection between like race and kink and like how, like, you know, the implications of a person of color, being tied up and like how that you might not even realize. And and so, yes. And so aftercare, it's just like any kink scene of like, you have a discussion beforehand, you set boundaries, you set limits, you talk, you have a safe word, you know, you like all of these things. And then yes, aftercare and like, and, and the responsibility of the photographer that's like taking someone into this space to like, yeah, have, have something to drink, have something to eat, have something to bring, bring someone back to the present moment. And like, have the tools that if, if someone does get triggered, like to at least have some base level knowledge of how to walk someone, walk with someone through that experience. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little terrifying to think that there's just photographers out there, like tying people up willy nilly. (laughs) Right. I mean, and I like, I don't want to be like, I I have these really cute handcuffs as well that are from Savage X Fenty that are literally like 
plastic. And by plastic, I mean, like, they are, like, clear, bendy plastic (laughs) with clear little, like, they're, I would never even consider them something that could actually restrain anybody. Um, And it's, you know, they're definitely more for the visuals. And I think that, and I've had, I've had clients say, oh, can I do these ones instead? And it's maybe that they are more comfortable with the fact that, like, those are quite, I don't want to call them fake because they're still technically a piece of bondage gear but they're I think that they they look safer they look and they feel safer because they're flimsy and if it's if it is a matter of actually you know feeling like you're in handcuffs they're not going to give that feeling yeah yeah for sure for sure. So, and, and I, and I always, I let people pick, I let people pick any of the things mm-hmm. that they want and, and it's always their, their choice. And it's, yes. it's, it is, it's always their choice. I mean, any, anything in my studio is their choice. Yes. What do you want to wear? What do you want? And do you want shoes? Do you not want shoes? Do you want, like, it's all your sounds choice. Like, yeah. And it sounds like you are really mindful with like your questions and like being super specific. I can't wait to do a session with you. Um, uh, I, it will be so much fun. It'll be so good. Yeah. But it's interesting because like, I feel like there's, there's so many subtle pieces of bondage gear that I think that people don't think is kind of bondage. So like, let's mm-hmm. talk about corsets. Like those mm-hmm. are definitely something that, and I mean, I will say the majority of my corset collection actually came from you. You donated oh, them to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until this moment that that happened. That's so You beautiful. did. You gave me 10 absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful corsets. Mm-hmm. But I think it's such an interesting thing. And I'll say like speaking from a very like feminine female perspective like putting a corset on we're like I feel powerful like Mm -hmm. but it is such a different form of bondage in in different ways and like lacing somebody into a corset is kind of a violent act (laughs) yes yes and well I'm just right now I'm just thinking of because I've been thinking actually about corsets and why I wore them for such a long time and actually I've been kind of getting back into it a little bit but of just like the the constriction feeling safe and and another yeah. in, in another of my lives I'm a huge nervous system nerd and um, teach about polyvagal theory and the autonomic nervous system and our natural it. vagus nerve but like part of the reason that like I think corsetry um was always so soothing is like that feeling of like constriction of like being it's like being held and I get a almost similar, like a weighted blanket almost like a weighted yeah exactly like weighted blanket yeah. which is really good for your nervous system and so I get a similar thing with with bondage in which like when I like I'm such a control freak and can have a hard time like letting go and being super present and so being literally tied up and unable to move like help just does something to my nervous system where I'm like boom, like just can like so relax and surrender like because I physically am unable to do anything else (laughs) um (laughs) but it's a similar like feeling in my nervous system of just like a delicious like ability to kind of surrender and that's the same thing with a corset where I'm just being held and I can almost like let myself be supported by it and it's not for everyone right like some people a weighted blanket feels like like the most the scariest thing in the world like super claustrophobic and it's I was talking to a fellow nervous system nerd about like why things like self-hugging and like different things feel good for some people and others and we we're like talking about like the womb the feeling of being in the womb but also like you know mm-hmm. it, how much we were held as children right and how and right. that, how that might be an influence on it anyway nerding out but <laughs> <laughs> I, listen 
I love when people nerd out. It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. Like, I love watching people be nerdy because it's passion. Like, having that, like, passion about something that you find absolutely fascinating. And I think that then when you tell other people about it, if you're doing it with passion, like, do I want to learn about the nervous system from a textbook? Absolutely not. Yep. Yep. do I want to learn about the nervous system and how it relates to like literally what we're talking about like being laced into a corset and like how you're held as a child and like all of these <laughs> like just different things like that's such an interesting and like real life thing mm-hmm. versus like here's a textbook totally totally the way I describe it is um, I'm an enthusiast of enthusiasm where I you, love can it. Be, you can be talking about something that I have no idea what the hell you're saying, but if you're passionate about it, like I'm pumped, I'm stoked. I yeah. am co I am co-regulating with your passion and feel fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I love that. I really love that. Let's talk about, so, I mean, obviously you had all of these wonderful, amazing corsets, which you donated to me, which, which kind of comes in on a change in your body, but that's why you mm. donated them to me, but also So I want to talk about that and I want to talk about how, like, was that potentially a gateway into types of bondage for you or, Mm -hmm. or is there like, I mean, as we're talking about bondage kind of being this like gateway open door to kink, is it, was that your open door into kink? Was bondage your first Hmm. kink experience? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just trying to think now, potentially, potentially. (laughs) Potentially, um, yeah potentially um I like the I like the inquiry and I'm gonna sit with it more like yeah maybe maybe it was maybe it was yeah, maybe it was um we can't I would love to talk about my body journey though if, if yeah yeah let's talk mm-hmm. about it okay, cool. I feel like it's important <laughs> it is I mean it's it is important a, such an integral part of my story and how I got here and you know all of that but um yeah for those that don't know um I've lived most of my life in a larger body um, than this one. And it, like I said, that my body was a deep source of pain. Um, and mm-hmm. it was, there was a lot of things that made me different and ridiculed for being different, but being big was one of those things, which yeah. looking back now, like when I was getting the worst bullying for being fat, like wasn't even like, anyway, that's a, Oh yeah. No, yeah. I look, I, yeah. well, I mean, I look at, I look at pictures from high school, which is like right. the majority of the worst bullying that I had for being right. fat. And I'm right. like, but I was so tiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes, for, totally. And, you know, and so, and, and so I was large for most of my life, but I also would yo-yo really extremely. And I would do all of these things. Like in college, I had a drug addiction, anorexia, and would like an exercise addiction and like lost mm-hmm. all this weight. And I remember coming home from college my first year and like all anyone could tell me was how amazing I looked. And so I was like, okay, cool. As long as I'm, doesn't matter that I'm killing myself. Like as long as I'm thin and like the world thinks I'm worthy. And now I have this, you know, and, and then that was never sustainable. And so I would just like yo-yo back the other direction and and then some, um, and just my self-loathing would increase with the size of my waistline. And it was brutal and gnarly and terrible. And, um, yeah. And so, Fate, a long twisting road of fate brought me into this amazing program called the School of Connection that basically was just this incredible nature connection. Um, And we would go one weekend a month on this like super magical piece of land and just get to like wander and do all these different magical exercises. And 
for me growing up in Tahoe, like in, in the outdoors, but like having a body that wasn't represented where I was like, I lived in paradise. I lived in, but that like, I was told my body didn't belong in nature. And so I like abandoned so many of the like outdoor things that my peers did. Like I had to buy my first pair of hiking boots for this program because I didn't have them. And I was, gosh, how old was I? I was like in my twenties and I had to buy my first pair of hiking boots. Cause like, you know, being in nature, I felt like I didn't belong. I relate so hard with literally everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, brutal. I don't want to say where we grew up is so brutal in so many ways, but it, mm-hmm. it really is. It's not. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't kind. And, and I even, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I still did three sports a year. I still was, ex- yeah. I was more athletic as in high school and as a kid when I was at the like height of being bullied for being fat and being different and being all this yeah. other stuff. And I was like, I played three sports a year. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. it's not like I did nothing. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, oh, yeah. And and and, it, and we were told so often that we don't belong and that right. we're we're not our bodies aren't, you know, any of that. And it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything you, you you're saying, me. I'm like, you mm-hmm, feel me, babe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so on one of these such weekends, we were like, had like four hours to just go romp around. And this particular month was like really focused on the body and like asking our bodies what they wanted, where they wanted to go, what they wanted to do. And the steward of this land had all these trail cutting tools. Cause we had, she had cut all of these amazing little nooks in the Manzanita where we slept. And like, Ooh. this was a, oh, it was amazing. It was like a hundred acres and just stunning. And she had said like, Hey, the trail cutting tools are here. I, I invite you to like co-create you know, the land with me, like, you're welcome to cut new trails. And so as soon as we were told to like follow our bodies and like our inner child, and I was like, I want to cut a new trail. Uh, and I like, want it. So, so excited. So like, I like, I'm just like bursting through the bushes with like an ax and like a saw <laughs> and just like a like wild woman. And I start like hacking through because I was like, knew this great little path that would be awesome, you know, that we wouldn't have to go all the way around. And so I like start hacking through the bushes. And I got really tired because I like wasn't in good shape. I wasn't active and I like got really, really tired and I sat down on the, on the ground and I like wanted to quit. And I, <sighs> I had the most beautiful realization in this moment and I could see all of the stories, like all, they were just clear before me. I could see how I I had like worked out so many times in my life to like achieve like getting a bikini body or to like look a certain way and I was like wait no fuck that like I want to I want to be active so that I can like like climb mountains and chop <laughs> manzanita um and like just like how just the, the just the stories around like all, all like the motives behind all of these ways I tried to change my body and like and I laid upon the earth and I felt so held and I could just see the lie of like that our uh, white supremacist, cis patriarchal capitalist orgy of doom um, that we live in. Like, <laughs> like the carrot is worthiness and worthiness is yep. dangled as the care on the end of the stick and that you're never going to get to this carrot that you're going to like, okay, like if you just lose 10 more pounds, if you just like do, you know, all of these things, like then your life is going to be great. You're going to have the hottest boyfriend. You're going to live in the best, you know, like everything's going to be awesome. And all of us are like hustle, hustling for this worthiness that, and I could just see like, that is a lie that, that worthiness has no currency that we are all worthy as fuck. And that the only prerequisite for worth 
is existing and that Mm -hmm. there's nothing Mm -hmm. we need to do to achieve it. And I just like, I like felt this, this knowing of my inherent worthiness, like come into my body, like from like, like, and, and by seeing myself reflected in nature around me, something that I had been told that I was separate from my entire life. Yeah. And I cut my way (laughs) through those bushes and it was like, truly like I was cutting away the stories. Like I was just like cutting them away. Um, and I like showed up to circle and I was like covered in dirt and my hair was like all crazy. And I had like twigs, like sticking out of my clothes. And I was just like, "Ah." (laughs) Um, and that changed everything for me that day changed everything. And suddenly like I was moving in a way from worthiness where I was like, this body is incredible and it's worth like taking care of. And like, but it, but it wasn't, I wasn't moving in a different way to look a different way. I was like moving from a place of inherent worthiness and like that I, I deserve to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. so like my entire relationship to food changed, my entire relationship, like to movement changed, to being outside changed. And like, as a side effect, my body changed, but I just like want to take a couple moments here to talk about privilege for one, um, mm-hmm. you know, that like not everyone has the privilege to spend a couple grand to go like frolic in the woods. And also like that, not like the privilege of being able to like spend most of my money on food. And like that, that, you know, like that, that became my priority was like the food that I put in my body and that right. access to that is a massive privilege and, you know, like a- awareness and education and like all, and all of that is a massive, massive privilege. And and also that my body might not have changed. And I do want to like, that's like a huge thing in, in the work that I do is like that, 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 that fatness and like your weight does not correlate to health. And like that I very clearly could have easily changed all of the same behaviors and not lost a single pound. And like, and that, that, that could have been, that could have been possible too. Like you can change yeah. every major health metric, your cardiovascular health, like all, your cholesterol, all of these things without losing a single pound. It happened that my body changed in this drastic way, but that anyway, just, I, I feel it feels important to like qualify yeah. those things. Um, Absolutely. But 100% but yeah. important to qualify those things. Yeah. Very important. Um, But the, the, you know, the, my, and it was like, I don't think I would have lost a single pound if I like did, hadn't believed in like my absolute inherent worthiness at my heaviest, you know? And I, I right. so wish that I had beautiful pictures of myself at that, at that side. I mean, I have pictures of myself being fat and fabulous, but of I've like naked pictures of myself to like hang yeah. on my wall with love and adoration and um, so much, you know, so much yeah. celebration of the sacred of my sacred body. And, you right. know, and I've done that now I have beautiful naked portrait of, um, not like it was like a year ago of, mm-hmm. and, and holy shit, let me tell you um, <laughs> that when your body drastically changed, you get a whole new set of insecurities that pop up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause all of a sudden, like, you know, my giant breasts that had been such a big part of, of my fatness of like my sexiness of, right. Like I was like, okay, well if I'm fat, then like I have to be sexy. And I have these like big, large breasts that were always, that was part of the corset wearing was like having my tits up to my chin and, um, <laughs> which was great. Oh my God. I, I, I miss that sometimes of, of the glorious <laughs> motorboat that I used to get. And but, but yeah, so all of a sudden, like, and like things get loose. And so, so suddenly it was like, I was doing this thing that society had told me that I needed to do, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like you must mm-hmm. lose weight and then, you know, and then everything will be perfect. And so all, so all of a sudden like stuff wasn't perfect. I didn't have the perfect boyfriend or the perfect life or like all of these things. And now like, so I wasn't fat anymore, but I wasn't, but now my skin, now I wasn't young and perky. Right. Right. And so it was like a whole new set. And I was like, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, Cause I would always thought like, if I could always, if I could just do that, then everything would change. And, and so I just, I got to see even more stories where like, no one is free of this. Yeah. There's a $450 billion beauty industry with a vested interest in us hating ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I love shaking my saggy tits uh, all around <laughs> <laughs> and celebrating it. and my and my gray hairs and my beautiful stretch marks and my fucking amazing cellulite like like yeah. fuck fuck the system <laughs> fuck your beauty standards <laughs> exactly that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a little bit that's a little bit of my journey <laughs> <laughs> just a little a little brief bit and so like and that totally answers like one of the interview questions that I usually ask people. Yes. Like what what was the catalyst of like becoming like falling more in love with yourself and doing all of that? Um but I want to pose frolicking that in <laughs> frolicking in the forest, yes. <laughs> but I wanna pose that same question mm. when it comes to sex, sexuality, mm. kink. Like I think that it's extremely relevant because our bodies are are such I mean obviously our bodies are an instrument during sex and our bodies are an instrument for us to feel both pain and pleasure and all of these everything in between so I'm I'm curious so we'll modify that question of like when did you start to feel more comfortable in in just even like that inherent sexuality and different things like that I'm I'm super curious yeah totally well I'm just I'm I'm hearkening back on this one memory and it was also during the pandemic and I was seeing um, I was seeing someone new and he was like poster boy hot like just like ripped muscles like chiseled just like beautiful beautiful man um and he was coming up for a date and I was like so nervous um and at that point I was you know I still had I mean and not at that point I still like you know as as confident as I am like stuff still comes up and I literally had not been on on top during sex for years and years and years because I was so self-conscious of my belly um Mm -hmm. and like how my belly looked and like yeah, like it prevented me from being on top during sex, which is like blows my mind now, like thinking about it, like what the hell? Um, right. But I actually did, a, a friend of mine had a Zoom, um, he was he was doing a weekly Zoom call, like gathering like hit all like friends, because he has friends from all different corners and having these like beautiful conversations. And there was a naked, there was a naked one and it scared me. Um, and I have a rule around fear. Fear is a friend of mine and free, mm-hmm. fear tells me, um, where I should run towards to get out of my comfort zone and to change and to grow. Yep. And so I did the naked dinner and we got up one by one and like talked about our relationships with our bodies and then stripped naked. (laughs) And (laughs) it was so powerful. And, and so I got up and I was talking about like the insecurity I felt, um, in my body where I was like, I feel pretty great, like naked standing still, but like moving like in this new body, like I'm self-conscious. And so I got naked and shook my saggy boobs and my belly skin at the camera in front of, I knew two of the people and four of the people were strangers. And it was so powerful. It was so incredibly powerful. And then I spoke my truth to this budding partner who like became my actual partner. Um, and I called him and I was like, Hey, I'm feeling insecure about being naked and especially being on top. And he like celebrated the hell out of my vulnerability and just held me so 
tenderly there. And mm-hmm. by the time he got there, it was gone. Like the fear was gone. I rode him like a cowgirl and like, it was amazing. <laughs> yes. and, yeah. Like it was so good. And like, and now I just, so much of that has dissolved. Like I'm trying to think of like the last time I got self-conscious around, around, you know, and it's not, it hasn't changed. Like I still have saggy boobs and a saggy belly, but like, I'm just so in love with those parts of myself now. And yeah. So, uh, getting naked on a zoom call and shaking my bits around, um, <laughs> That was the catalyst. That was the the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Okay, y'all. That is all for this week. Again, we are splitting this episode with Allie into two parts, and I cannot wait for you to join us next week to hear even more as we start deeply discussing getting into kink, getting comfortable with kink, and be sure to tune in next week, and we will be able to introduce you to a whole new world. Thanks so much for listening to Someplace for Everybody. If you love this episode, would you mind leaving me a review in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show? If you're looking for a community to love on you and support you in your self-love journey, come join our all-gender Facebook group, Someplace for Everybody, which can be found in the show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Until we meet again, be kind to yourself.